Inflation has hit record highs. The Taliban is chasing the United States out of Afghanistan. The American population is dying. And Hunter Biden lost another laptop full of compromise to the Russians, according to a new video of him complaining to one of his hookers. Thank goodness the adults are back in charge. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Philip Portolano, who says, screw your freedom. This guy sounds like the governor of California. That's true. Arnold Schwarzenegger does sound like the governor of California. You know, the, the parties change, the people change, and yet the liberal establishment continues to rule. It's something that could make you lose sleep at night. And if you are losing sleep at night, I would strongly recommend you check out Bio optimizers. You know, it's very important to get good sleep, especially when you've got a screaming little baby in the background. You've got to try to maximize your sleep. One of the best things you can possibly do to improve your health is to get seven hours at least of quality sleep every night. It's very difficult. I know no one can do it. One of the biggest reasons that you might not be able to get that sleep other than a screaming baby might be magnesium deficiency. Magnesium is key to getting good sleep, but 75% of people are actually magnesium deficient. Is it any wonder that so many people have sleep problems? Well, to help fix those sleep problems and to fully enjoy the calming effects of magnesium, check out Magnesium Breakthrough by BioOptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium. You just take two capsules before you go to bed. You'll be amazed at how much better you sleep and how much better rested you feel when you wake up. Marie, for example, left a five-star review. She said she'd give it 100 stars if she could. She went from daily struggles and restless legs, horrible, terrible sleep, to no struggles with any of that. So go check it out today. Magnesium Breakthrough is 100% organic, made with vegetarian, non-GMO ingredients. Give it a try. Check out for yourself why so many people are raving about Magnesium Breakthrough. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash Knowles, Knowles10. That is the code that you got to use, Knowles10. Use it during checkout to save 10%. Should we start with the hooker? Let, we should, let's do it. Let's start with the hooker <laughs> because the adults are back in charge, you see. Everything was going terribly under Trump and the economy was great and our geopolitics had settled down and American confidence was growing again and manufacturing was great and wages were up and inflation was down. But, but then the adults got back in charge and now... And now Hunter Biden has lost another laptop. Uh, this is a pretty crazy story. So it just came out. It's a video of Hunter Biden speaking to one of his hookers. For some reason, he videotapes all of his crimes. And so uh, this video has come out. This was from a few years ago. And he is complaining that some Russian drug dealers stole a third laptop of his filled with a compromise. And he doesn't know where it is. Take a listen. What does the computer have to do with they have videos of me doing this. They have videos of me doing like crazy sex. So they've got videos of me doing crazy effing sex. How long ago did this happen? You said before you met Yeah. So it would have been out already, I think. No, no, no. I think I don't know. So it wouldn't be because my dad is running for president. Yes. I've talked about both of Sort of inaudible. Sort of inaudible. He also knows that I make like a gazillion dollars. They'd try to no, blackmail you. Yes. So here we go. Everything, everything that was reported in the New York Post before the election 
uh, that the liberal establishment, the politicians and big tech and the media told us was not true. Not only is it all true, as, as we always knew, but we now have video of Hunter Biden admitting that it's all true in one conversation with a hooker. So he's actually showing you that it's all true while he's saying it's all true. This is the third laptop that's gone missing. Thank goodness that the adults are back in charge. I would recommend to Hunter that he stop recording himself committing all of these crimes. But this is a, this is a very big problem because if Don Jr. blew his nose the wrong way, it was a international news story and it was the disgrace to the United States. But Hunter Biden, you don't hear anything about this. He's admitting that he makes a gazillion dollars. How's he making a gazillion dollars? He doesn't have any skills and he doesn't work. So he's obviously making a gazillion dollars by selling his father's name and trading on his father's influence in the U.S. government. Are they going to blackmail him? He's admitting that they're going to blackmail him. Who is it? It's the Russians. We were told for the entire Trump administration that he was compromised by the Russians. It turns out actually it's the Bidens who are compromised by the Russians. And where is this now? We're not hearing anything about it when you tried to not only post this on social media during the election, but even privately message it. You were not permitted to do that. This is being completely suppressed by the establishment. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean? What is being done right now because of this blackmail? Speaking of the birds and the bees, speaking of the birds and the bees, the American population is dying people are not having babies anymore. This has been a trend since the 1970s, but it's really ticked up in recent years. And one of the reasons for that is climate hysteria, at which, by the way, I, you know, I hate to say that I told you so. I called this years ago, and I, I talked about it a few months ago again on the show. People are so ginned up about the sun monster, and they're so afraid that the, the sun monster is going to kill everybody, that they're actually right now not having children. They're not growing the population. Well, It turns out that uh, analysts, even from highfalutin investment banks, agree with me. A recent investor note from Morgan Stanley analyst said, quote, the movement to not have children owing to fears over climate change is growing and impacting fertility rates quicker than any preceding trend in the field of fertility decline. So this this hysteria about, about the weather killing everyone is, is causing a decline in fertility more than stagnant economies, uh, more than wars, more than the last environmental scale, a scare that, that uh, nonsense about overpopulation that cropped up in the 1970s that turned out to be completely bogus. The, the United States birth rate last year fell by 4%. Four per, that's a huge number. Everyone said there was going to be a COVID baby boom. I actually participated in what there may have been of the COVID baby boom. My cute little baby is evidence of that. But as a population matter, it actually fell by 4%. Uh, That means that regardless of all the other issues we can worry about, you know, immigration, wars, the economy, all this, the country is literally dying. There are just fewer people being born. And this is affecting different demographics differently. Speaking of population decline, it turns out that the the white population is declining precipitously. The, The share of the white population in this country fell for the first time in American history. It fell from 63.7% in 2010 to 57.8% in 2020. That's the lowest on record. It's because of falling birth rates, specifically among white women uh, compared to Hispanic and Asian women. The number, the number, just the raw number of white people, non-Hispanic white people shrank from 196 million in 2010 to 191 million today. And as you might expect, liberals are celebrating this, which is so funny 
it's so funny because I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news over the past six or eight months, but there is this new narrative in the news that if you observe that the white, the white percentage of the population and the raw number of white people is shrinking, that you are a conspiracy theorist, you're a racist, you're a white supremacist. They call this the great replacement crazy conspiracy theory, and you're basically no better than Hitler if you suggest that. But if you're a liberal who acknowledges all these things and celebrates it, that's very good. Uh, Jennifer Rubin, who used to pretend to be a conservative columnist at the Washington Post, now I think she's basically open about being a liberal columnist. She tweets out this article and she says, quote, a more diverse, more inclusive society. This is fabulous news. Now we need to prevent minority white rule. Of course, it is cliche. I shouldn't even say it. I'm so, I, I don't even want to say it. But of course, if any columnist said this about any other racial group, <laughs> they would be called a vile, vicious racist, and rightly so. But Jennifer Rubin, because she's saying it about white people, is not called that. Imagine, I, I can't, oh, I hate this because truly conservatism is going to die because we keep playing these hypotheticals and say, well, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot. But, you know, if, if she tweeted out, because the, let's say the black population was decreasing. A more diverse, more inclusive society. This is fabulous news. Now we need to prevent minority black rule. Obviously she'd be run out of town. Uh, she'd, she'd have her entire uh, career destroyed. But because it's against white people, it's perfectly fine. Uh, Jennifer Rubin is not the only person saying this. You hear it actually from elected Democrats. Ilhan Omar just some months ago came out and said, this is not, not going to, this country is not for white people and white people better pack up and head on out. This is not going to be the country of white people. Uh, so, and there are so many more examples of this. So from what I can conclude, if you say that uh, white people are diminishing as a portion of the population and you suggest that either that's neutral or, or a, a bad thing, you're a vile, vicious, conspiracy theorist racist. If you make the exact same ob observation, but you celebrate it, you are a good, wonderful person who supports diversity and a, th a thriving America. Uh, probably not, probably not great uh, for our country to have uh, elites cheering on the decline of, of a large segment of the country. Probably not the best thing for the country as a whole. But speaking of records, don't worry. Don't worry about that. That'll be a longer term sort of issue. Uh, the shorter term issue is that the prices are going through the roof on just about everything because inflation is hitting record highs. Probably makes one uh, want to make sure that uh, one can keep track of his possessions, which is why I would strongly recommend Ring. Knock, knock. Who's there? I don't know. You don't know? You don't know because you don't have Ring. That's the problem. <laughs> You've got to get Ring and then you'll just know who is outside your door, whether it's the delivery guy, whether it's a burglar, or whether it's your mother-in-law. Who are you less excited to see? I'm not so sure. With Ring Alarm, you can keep an eye on your doorstep, whether you're in the home, whether you are at the office, whether you are on the other side of the world. But it's more than just the doorstep. You can keep an eye on every inch of your home uh, with ring. So it give, gives me peace of mind, especially when I go on the road, which I do a fair bit. Uh, it gives me peace of mind for my friends when I give it to them as a housewarming present, mostly because it's not that expensive, but also because it's a very, very good product. Go check out ring today. You can install it yourself. Keep an eye on every corner of your house. Ring.com slash Knowles. Go there for a special offer on a Ring Alarm security kit. You can build a system that's right for your home. Have it up and running in minutes. That's ring.com slash Knowles. Ring.com slash Knowles. Inflation for businesses. 
So we're not talking about inflation generally. We're just talking about inflation for businesses, costs for businesses have reached a year over year rate. Do you want to guess? Do you want to guess what inflation was for businesses last year? What would you say? 2%, 3%, in July, 7.8%. This is the highest level ever recorded. You'll recall in July, President Biden put out a tweet and he said, happy 4th of July. You're so lucky that I'm the president now because the cost of your 4th of July barbecue has decreased by 16 cents. They actually put this out. So it's decreased by 16 cents. Cost of everything else is up 7.8%, but you know, hey, at least you saved 16 cents. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics showed that this producer price index, not the consumer price index, but the producer price index, which tracks changes in input prices for the businesses and for domestic producers, has increased just this month by a full percent. So inflation going through the roof, inflation generally, including for consumers, uh, also is up at recent record highs. The inflation rate in July remained at 5.4%. That matches June's levels. Year-over-year uh, year inflation uh, in June obviously reached 5.4%. Uh, this is the highest rate since the Great Recession that began in 2007 and 2008. It's not just Republicans who are worried about these scare statistics. Even some Democrats are doing that, including Joe Manchin. So Joe Manchin, who I think may be the last semi-moderate Democrat in the entire country, Kirsten Sinema, the senator from Arizona, a little bit as well, but basically Manchin, as far as I can tell, there are three groups in the Democratic Party now. It's the progressives, it's the super progressives, and it's Joe Manchin. Those are the three factions of the party. Joe Manchin asked the Federal Reserve to stop printing all this money, because when you just print money endlessly, eventually you're going to get some inflation. Uh, the, the Federal Open Market Committee, which oversees the execution of monetary policy, has refused to amend its uh, near zero interest rates or scale back its $120 billion in monthly asset purchases. Here's what, here's what Joe Manchin said to the Fed. He said, quote, the record amount of stimulus in the economy has led to the most inflation momentum in 30 years, and our economy has not even fully reopened yet. I am deeply concerned that the continuing stimulus put forth by the Fed and proposal for additional fiscal stimulus will lead to our country overheating and to unavoidable inflation taxes that hardworking Americans cannot afford. So this ends up being a tax, not on the rich, not on the people who need to pay their fair share. This ends up being a tax on everybody and it disproportionately hits the middle class and working classes. So really bad situation for Americans who were already feeling the squeeze because the government wouldn't let them go to work for a year. Also, and I, I suspect this is a little bit of what Joe Manchin is seeing here. When we just print money endlessly, when we just uh, inflate, uh, inflate the dollar or inflate, inflate the economy, this weakens our argument against China, right? So we make this argument against China. We say China is, uh, is illegitimately uh, manipulating its currency. That's a very bad thing. It shouldn't be doing that. We're doing the same thing. China is uh, uh, violating various sort of trade agreements. Uh, okay, well, if, if we're tinkering with our economy in this way, we're doing similar sorts of measures. Well, China this, China that, China this, China that. There's a, there's a great old blues song sort of popularized in the last few years by Eric Clapton. Before you accuse me, take a look at yourself. And that's what Joe Manchin is doing. That's what Republicans are doing right now. Uh, but 
doesn't matter. We're just going on and on. And China's spying on its citizens. Yeah, we would never do that, right? <laughs> the United States would never. Reach. Oh, I, wait, it turns out actually the NSA is spying on Tucker Carlson and every gizmo and gadget that we have is spying on all the rest of us, including our microwaves and our refrigerators. China has a social credit score. Oh yeah, we would never have that, right? We would never ostracize people and deplatform them and take away their ability to use financial institutions and put them on the no-fly list just because they're political dissidents, right? Oh, wait a second. We're doing the exact same thing. Really weakens our argument on the foreign stage. And speaking of our adversaries, we're looking really, really weak on the foreign stage right now because I mentioned this at the end of the show yesterday. We just officially lost the war in Afghanistan. Soldiers didn't lose the war. Soldiers did a great job. Soldiers are the toughest fighting force in the world, but the political leadership did. And now we're being chased out by the Taliban. So the, the United States is evacuating Afghanistan. The United States uh, is pulling out somewhat rapidly under Joe Biden. This sort of began under Trump, but it's, it's continuing under Biden. And as the United States leaves, the Taliban is just coming back and, and taking over all these cities much faster, actually, than Joe Biden told us what happened. So actually now the, the United States needs to send 3,000 soldiers back into Afghanistan just to make sure that our embassy officials and our remaining soldiers and our translators aren't slaughtered by the Taliban before they can all get out. Afghan government forces, according to the Associated Press, are collapsing even faster than U.S. military leaders thought possible. The Taliban, which ruled the country from 1996 until after the United States invasion, uh, after 9-11, has captured three more provincial capitals Wednesday. Probably that number is even higher now. I haven't checked in the last hour. Uh, the 10th and 11th uh, cities that the insurgents have taken in a week-long sweep that has given them control of two-thirds of the country, which is more or less what they had before 9-11. Joe Biden, of course, the adult in charge, finally, we've got stable leadership. He told us that this was not going to happen. How serious was the corruption among the Afghanistan government to this mission failing there? Well, first of all, the mission hasn't failed yet. There is uh, in Afghanistan um, and all parties, there's been corruption. The question is, can there be an agreement on unity of purpose? What is the objective? For example, it started off, there were going to be negotiations between the Taliban and the Afghan National Security Forces and the Afghan government. That, that didn't, come to, didn't come to fruition. So the question now is, where do they go from here? That, the jury is still out. But the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. Highly, highly unlikely. It's highly unlikely. It happened immediately, but it's highly, highly unlikely. Oh, this will just, two weeks to slow the spread. Oh, Hunter Biden didn't lose his laptop to the Russians. Oh, this, that, and the other thing. Is it any wonder that these people have no credibility whatsoever? Don't worry though. Don't worry. The United States has a strategy. They know how they are going to stop the Taliban from overrunning the country and undoing 20 years of whatever we've been trying to do in Afghanistan. Do you know how they're going to do it? It's not the 3,000 troops. That's just to get our guys out of there without them being slaughtered. The way they're going to do it, and this is really, I did not expect this strategy. Uh, they are going to tweet at the Taliban 
Taliban known for its Twitter presence. Uh, they are going to tweet snarky hashtags. And that, that, oh, <laughs> you thought 20 years of, of military action and occupation was going to do it. No, no, no. The, the Twitter hashtag will. Quote, this is from the U.S. Embassy in Kabul. Escalating Taliban violence, including executions of surrendered Afghan troops, shows a lack of respect for hashtag human rights. Don't erase Afghanistan's human rights gains of the last 20 years. Yeah. What are you going to do with that, Taliban? Yeah. What are you going to do with that, huh? Uh, you know, frankly, I wish, I wish that we had known about this in 2001 and 2002. I guess Twitter didn't exist in 2001 and 2002. Would have saved us a whole lot of time and money and treasure and blood and effort in Afghanistan to accomplish, as far as I can tell, absolutely nothing. This is very sad. This is very sad for American servicemen who served in Afghanistan. What was accomplished? The one thing you could say was accomplished is that we killed Osama bin Laden, but we got him in Pakistan. We didn't even get him in Afghanistan. We got him many years later, but okay, let's say that's it. You go, you kill Osama bin Laden. Great. So, so what are we doing? I, I guess in a moment of candor, if, if, you re- if you got a few drinks in the State Department officials who have been sort of managing this thing, or the Pentagon officials, probably what they would tell you is, we're just treating Afghanistan as a sort of overseas imperial territory. And we're just going to be there and we're just going to kind of manage it. Uh, we, uh, they probably wouldn't tell you this on television because I don't think the American people want an overseas empire in Afghanistan. And, and by the way, Afghanistan is known as the graveyard of empires. But to what end? What, what's the point. What does victory even look like? The United States has not been able to define that in at least a decade at this point. And so now we pull out, having accomplished very, very little because the adults are now in charge. What time is it? What a lot of people are waking up to what time it is. One way you can wake up to what time it is, is with a movement watch. I love a good timepiece. I love a good wristwatch. I have since I was eight years old and I got my first watch, and I have loved them ever since. And I, I do have a fair number of watches, and, you know, I just got two more movement watches yesterday. I did. Movement, man, they are changing the game. In a tiny apartment in Southern California, two college dropouts teamed up to create a watch company that broke all the rules. They had fair prices, unexpected colors, really clean original designs. Movement grew into one of the fastest growing watch brands, shipping to over 160 countries around the globe. They also now have blue light glasses, which are great. They protect your eyes from screens. They've got minimalist jewelry. They've got a lot of style essentials that won't break the bank. You get a beautiful watch shipped right to your door for free. If you don't love it, you ship it right back. No big deal. Go check it out. I really love their automatic watches. So it's got an automatic movement that, so you don't need batteries or anything. But the battery watches are great too. Uh, I really love my, my movement watches. If you want to elevate your look with style that doesn't break the bank, join the movement. 15% off today with free shipping and free returns. Go to mvmt.com slash That's mvmt.com slash A lot of really embarrassing stuff happening right now for the United States. Obviously on the foreign policy front, obviously on the economic front, obviously the population's literally dying. That's not good. And if you ask the Democrat ruling class for an answer for all of this madness, do you know what they're going to tell you? They're going to tell you they're doing great. They're going to tell you, don't believe your lying eyes. Don't, no, actually, do you know people are actually just envious of the way that Democrats are running this country. 
So whined Governor Gavin Newsom of California just the other day. Well, let's talk about what we all saw number one in, Stephanie. And guys, forgive me, I know I'm a little pointed today, but I've been taking a lot from a few folks for a lot of months. So it's nice to be able to express myself too. But I do it with deep pride in this state as a Californian, not as a, I'm a future ex-governor. It could happen in a few weeks, could happen in a few years. But I love this damn state. We're number one in job creation, 10 poll the American economy, 559,000 jobs. Eat your heart out, Texas, Florida. It'd be damn nice if our homegrown team start focusing on what's right. Everybody outside this state is bitching about this state because of our success. And I'm proud of it. I'm not naive about our competitive liabilities. And that's why we're trying to address them. Yeah, that that's why. That's why everybody's talking about California is because of your success, your success at spiking the crime rate, your success at having record levels of homelessness, your success at such extraordinarily high taxes and regulations that not just conservative businesses like my business that moved out of here, that's why I now live in Tennessee, but even liberal businesses are fleeing the state because they can't do business anymore. Your success at locking people in their homes, shutting down their churches, completely upending their way of life. Meanwhile, subsidizing crime all over this. That's why. That's why everyone is fleeing your state. He's obviously feeling the heat right now. And he's feeling the heat because you had a couple of candidates who were sort of unknown, little known Republicans in California who were not going to pose a big challenge to Gavin Newsom as a recall effort. Then you had the Bruce Jenner thing, which was obviously a sideshow. It was one of the greatest gifts you could possibly give the Democrats to have Bruce Jenner running and, and splitting the Republican Party. But then you had Larry Elder throw his hat in the race. And Larry Elder is a pretty mainstream guy. And Larry Elder's got a lot of name recognition. And Larry Elder can raise a lot of money. He's been raising millions and millions of dollars. And Larry Elder is very likable. And Larry Elder is quite conservative, though, you know, you know he's still somewhat libertarian. He's still a little bit more in that acceptable, moderate California wing. He's a real candidate, is what I'm saying. And Gavin Newsom is obviously feeling the heat from that. And so I, I think this performance that he's put on is a combination of genuine desperation, but also some campaign advisor saying, Gavin, you got to get tough. People want you to be tough. And it's not working very, very well. And it's not working well, not because of the, the, the lack of a performance. You know, Gavin Newsom is a slick politician. He's obviously made it very far. He's talented as far as politicians go. It's not working because at a certain point, you can't deny reality. At a certain point, the liberal establishment, which controls the media, controls every form of communication, it lies and lies. And right now it's lying about COVID numbers among children, hospitalizations among children. That's another story that just came out. The reason for this, of course, is that one of the arguments against forcing kids to mask in schools and forcing young kids to get the vaccine is that the virus doesn't pose a particularly lethal threat. Well, now major news organizations are having to admit that they're actually inflating the numbers of, of child hospitalizations from COVID because uh, that would be a way to promote this narrative. But even that's falling apart because we've got eyes and we see what's going on and we see what we're paying at the grocery store and we see what we're paying at the gas tank and we see our troops being chased out of Afghanistan because of failed political leadership. And we, we just see it. We just see it. We see the crime on the streets in LA. My neighbor, I lived in a pretty nice neighborhood in LA. I had a little tiny apartment like a lot of people do in LA, but it was supposed to be a nice neighborhood. It became a homeless camp by the time I left. Even then, every other neighborhood basically was like that. 
So it's, it's just, they just can't sell it anymore. They just, even, even when they try to effect their plans, their schemes in the dead of night, even that, I think people are keeping their eyes open, especially Senator Cruz. Senator Cruz, I don't just say it because he's a friend of mine. I don't just say it because we host a show together. He did some truly magnificent senatoring this week, and it happened in the dead of night, so a lot of people didn't pay attention to it. There was a bill. It was the number one priority for Democrats, H.R. 1, the first House resolution, and S. 1, the first Senate resolution. It's called the For the People Act. That's what they call it. It's really the Corrupt Politicians Act. It's a way to federalize federal elections, or federalize, rather, uh, congressional elections and some others, and uh, take away election integrity measures, and just try to make it so that politicians can't be booted from office. And Chuck Schumer, because he's a really smart, clever politician and a good tactician, he tried to ram this thing through in the dead of night, and he, he very well could have gotten it through. You needed one objection to stop it. And Senator Cruz, because he's a little bit, I say this with great love, he's a little bit of a nerd. He knows the rules. He knows the way these procedures work. Senator Cruz caught him, and he stood up to offer that objection, and he single-handedly stopped possibly the most corrupt legislation that's gone through the Congress in, in my lifetime. This bill would constitute a federal government takeover of elections. It would constitute a massive power grab by Democrats. It would disenfranchise millions of Americans. And it would do precisely the opposite of its nominal title for the people. It, would, it is instead for the politicians because it entrenches politicians and ensures that the people cannot vote them out of office. It would strike down virtually every reasonable voter integrity law in the country, including voter ID laws supported by the overwhelming majority of this country, including prohibitions on ballot harvesting, again widely supported by people in this country. It would mandate that felons be allowed to vote, and it would automatically register millions of illegal aliens to vote. It would profoundly undermine democracy in this country, and for that reason, I object. For that reason, I object. A lot of things going terribly wrong in this country, but there are a few people paying attention. A few, and all it takes is a few well-organized people to fight back against this sort of thing, to fight back against what you might call the authoritarian moment. That's the title of Ben's new book, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any other major bookseller. Get your copy now. It's a great book to order after you've ordered my book, Speechless. It's a really good, I would say Ben's book is the best second book that you could order on any of those websites. Also, if you sign up now as a Daily Wire member with code VIP, you will get 25% off your new membership. You'll be automatically entered for a chance to win a trip for two to the Daily Wire studios in Nashville to see Candace live. Not only will you meet Candace herself, You'll get an inside look at her studio, front row seats to watch your show live. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe with code VIP to get 25% off. Be automatically entered for a chance to win that VIP experience. Also, you can subscribe and listen to Morning Wire. It's our new morning show. It's like NPR, but we tell you the truth. You know, so it, it, it's like, it's like the New York Times is the daily, except it's not full of lies. You just, but it's got that same really nice soft voice. Like, hello, good morning. Welcome to the Morning Wire. And you know, it's got all the, just the news stories in 15 minutes, but uh, the, the distinguishing feature is that it's, uh, it's not, not extremely dishonest like those other left-wing ones. So head on over, go subscribe. We'll be right back with the mailbag. Welcome back to my favorite time of the week, the mailbag. 
Josiah writes, Dear Michael, my wife and I have been married for 10 years. We have a nine-year-old daughter. We've made it this long, but we disagree on politics and religion. Ooh, stuff. I'm a conservative and she's a liberal. Though she says she believes in God, she has no interest in praying, going to church, or reading the Bible with me. As our daughter has gotten older, we've clashed more and more regarding what and how we want to teach her, and it's becoming very difficult to find common ground. Any thoughts? Thank you. Well, you're in a tough position, and you're in a tough position because the answer to your problem actually lies in a kind of broad worldview and specifically in religion. And because your wife and you disagree on that, really what you're saying is you disagree on marriage itself because conservatives have, generally speaking, a different view of marriage than liberals do. And Christians certainly have a different view of marriage than modern secularists do. And so the, the short answer to your question is you need to be the head of your household. And this entails you loving your wife. This entails you being a good steward, loving your wife as Christ loves the church, which is no no small request, uh, but it also gives you the responsibility of making these sorts of decisions and leading your household. However, your wife may disagree with that <laughs> because your wife is more liberal and because perhaps your wife is, is irreligious, though perhaps maybe she would say otherwise. So it, it, it remains true. The only way out of this is for you to lead your household and to either through persuasion or confidence or just plain old-fashioned leadership, uh, persuade your wife, you know, bring your wife along on that. But, but it's very important that you give your daughter a view of the world. Your daughter's going to have some view of the world. She's either going to have your view of the world or your wife's view of the world or some completely separate view of the world. But there's, there's no middle ground between I'm a Christian and I'm an atheist. There's no, what well, the middle ground is Buddhism? I don't, I don't know. If they, there isn't a middle ground. You just have to make a decision. I know that we're all very nice these days and we all want to just get along with everyone and no one wants to say no to anything. But no, some things are true and some things are false and some things are good and some things are bad and some things are right and some things are wrong. And you, you have to come down on the side of that. And it's very hard because, by, by the way, when we say that the husband has to be the head of his household, this is, generally speaking, not something that men are clamoring to do. I think there's this idea that men are all just knuckle-dragging monsters who all they want to do is boss everyone around like Caligula or something. But it, that isn't the case. In my experience and knowing my friends as well, mostly what men want to do is lie on the couch and eat potato chips. That, I would say that would be the main thing we want. We don't actually want the responsibility of making all of these decisions. I get into this disagreement with my wife sometimes, and she's always right. We'll be talking about, okay, we've got one night off. We, maybe there's a babysitter or something. We're going to go out to dinner. What do you want for dinner? I don't know. I don't care. Maybe, what do you want? Italian? I don't know. Maybe Italian. Maybe we do Chinese. I don't know. What, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? We'll go back and forth for about 15 hours on this question. What do you want? What do you want? And eventually she'll say, hey, head of household, make a decision already. Genesis 3, get it done. Let's go. Man up. <laughs> and she's right. <laughs> but I don't want to do that. And very often, very often men don't want to do that. But you got to, buddy. So... I, I wish you luck because it's a, I, I don't mean to make light of your situation. It's pretty tough, but uh, that's what you're called to do. From Sarah, one of my friends is a transgender woman. I, so meaning he's a man who now identifies as a woman. I use his pronouns to his face, 
But the rest of the time, like now, I call him by his proper pronouns. He's a very good friend, and I've been able to tolerate his transgenderism because of that. He sent me a text last night saying he just scheduled his appointment for gender reassignment surgery, that is to say genital mutilation. Up to this point, I've kept my mouth shut because I really can't stand to watch him make this horrible and life-altering decision. How should I approach him about this? I care about him, and I don't want to see him hurt himself, but he seems pretty dead set on it. Thanks so much, facing the trans factor, trademark. Uh, tough situation, actually related, I guess, to the previous question, which is sometimes love requires people to say difficult things. I'm always reminded of the bio tapestry, which is this wonderful art piece about the Battle of Hastings in 1066. And there's a great panel on it where it's a man holding a club and he's smacking other men on the head. And it says here, Bishop Odo holding a club comforts the boys. We don't think of comfort as smacking someone on the head with a club, but that's what he was doing because the boys were retreating and Odo said, no, you got to get back into the battle. And sometimes we have to say harsh things. I, coincidentally, I actually have a column coming out on this in the Daily Wire today, which is related to Texas's decision to classify a trans surgery for kids as child abuse. And I said, that's good. I'm glad they're banning the trans surgery for kids. Now we ought to do the same for adults. And the reason for that is not because I want to prevent people from following their hearts and their dreams and their passions, but it's because the, the genital mutilation of transgender surgery is harmful. It's wrong. It, it isn't right. It, it is not good for anybody, even the people who are suffering with this delusion that, you know, they're women, even if they're actually men. It's not good for anyone. That we're calling it child abuse, not only because the children can't consent to it, but because it's an actual mutilation. And so it remains a mutilation for adults. And so what I would recommend, you can send uh, your friend my column when it comes out, uh, but you can also turn him to people who have had immense transgender regret. I'm thinking of people like Walt Heyer. He's, he's become pretty outspoken about this. He was a man who suffered from sexual confusion and gender issues all the way back until he was four years old. And then at the age of 40, he began his process of identifying as transgender. He transitioned, you know, he had the, the mutilation at 42 and then it didn't solve his problems. For a brief period of time, he thought it did, but it, it didn't solve his problems. And then at 50, he transitioned back and you're seeing more and more stories about this. A lot of young people are transitioning back. This is a, a hideous, faddish ideology that is overtaking people. And I think it's certainly akin to the the performance of lobotomies in the previous century, you know, all these quack medical procedures. And so I, I do fear that your friend will regret this. And I think you ought to just, you ought to just tell him that. And part of the confusion might be that you've indulged his delusions until now, but I, I don't know that it's an act of respect to indulge people's delusions in this way. I think it might actually be more respectful and be more of an act of love to tell him what you really think. From Camille, Dear Mr. Knowles, with all of the dating advice or tips that exist today, one that keeps popping up is that men will immediately put women in a box of whether they would date this woman, uh, just want to hook up, or have nothing to do with them. Is this true that guys immediately categorize the women they meet and there isn't much a woman can do to change how the men perceive them? Sincerely, nobody puts baby in a box. It is true that men put women in a box. It is also true that women can do things to change this perception. So they can do things in their general behavior. If a man walks into a party and sees a woman doing a keg stand, you know, in a bikini being held up by the four brawniest members of the football team, 
he's probably not going to immediately think, this is wife material. I want this woman to raise my children. Now, it may be the case that plenty of women have done this at some point in their lives, but they don't, you know, you don't want that perception always to be out there. That would be the first part of it. Also, it can be the case that, uh, let's say, you know, the, the guy sees the girl doing the keg stand with like 15 dudes, like grabbing under her legs, and they, they hook up. But then later on, he realizes this was actually sort of an aberration, and this is, does not represent her general disposition and personality. I have seen, I have seen one-night stands turn into weddings. I, I, have. I have. And actually, good marriages, too. So uh, that can happen as well. But you should be cognizant of the, and I know this is very politically incorrect, but you should be cognizant of the fact that your behavior will play a role in this. <laughs> it's not just the terrible men and, you know, they're not feminist or woke enough. It's your behavior too that will, that will play a role in this. We all make judgments on a level that is not always totally conscious based on what people are wearing, based on the sort of behavior people are engaging in, based on the circumstances in which we see people. And so if you are more interested in getting married than just hooking up, which is a good idea, uh, then you should be cognizant of that when you go out, when you dress, when you put yourself in situations. From Evan. Hello, Mr. Knowles. I will be visiting family for the first time since coming out as a conservative and voting for President Trump in 2020. Do you have any tips or tricks to help me get through this? I won't go looking for trouble, but I also won't sit there and take the attacks. I greatly appreciate your advice and I love the show. Thank you. It can be a little tricky because the left is more vindictive than the right. The left is more likely to instigate a political fight at a dinner table than the right. This is always the case. The reason for this, by the way, I'm not even saying it's because of something that's gone totally broken in their souls. It may, may or may not be. But it, there's a cultural aspect here too, which is that liberalism is the culture. That is the dominant culture. So when you dissent against that, you're the weird one. You are looked on as the heretic. And because the liberal establishment has all of the power, they're just more likely to, to feel ready to, to go after you and to persuade you. So I would, I would recommend, sure, don't just take it. Don't say something that you don't believe, obviously. But I would do it with a smile on your face. And I would do it, you know, I would jab a little bit more than I would throw a right hook. I don't think right hooks are great for the dinner table. But little jabs can be perfectly fine if if your relatives are really going after you for this. You know, you might mention uh, the fact that uh, Hunter Biden is a criminal degenerate who has given our, our enemies lots of compromise, and he's at least as corrupt as, well, obviously they're much more corrupt than the Trump ad, ad, uh, family, but uh, e uh, equally corrupt perhaps to the Clinton family. Oh, right, that other major Democratic family. You know, you, you can get these little jabs in here of... Uh, you know, if they say, oh, everything's so much better under Biden, you say, yeah, you know, it was until I went to fill up my gas tank. Yeah, it was until I went to go buy. Well, it was until I went to go to go out and live my life. I mean, there are all these, but I, I wouldn't throw that right hook though, because don't forget the purpose of a family event is not to win a political argument. The purpose of a family event is to be with your family and to have a family. And so don't take it, but keep in mind what the, what the goal is. From Garrett, dear quoter of famous theologians, for years, I've noticed that, that quotes from various historical figures such as St. Augustine or C.S. Lewis just roll off your tongue. Do you prepare these quotes in advance or are they just stored in your mind? If stored, how did you compile such an array of quotes and how might you advise one to follow suit sincerely? Would-be learner of famous quotes. 
Well, you know, Winston Churchill said that if a man lacks an education, he ought to get a good book of quotations. And this is true. This is very important. I don't prepare them for the show. I do just have a lot of quotes in my head. Uh, in part, this might be because I had a somewhat insufficient education, and so I've really gone looking for little pearls of wisdom elsewhere. And you should do it too. Part of it is, at least when I was in school, maybe it's still true, we had to memorize poetry. I also have worked as an actor before, and I always loved that craft as well. And so memorization is, is a skill that I've worked on a lot. You can work on it too. One thing I would recommend is just memorize a poem every few days. It seems kind of weird, I know, but it's easier to memorize poetry than it is to memorize prose, obviously because there's a rhyme and there's a meter and a rhythm to it. And, uh, and then just, you know, when you, when you come across a good line, if whether you're reading it or whether, whether, truly, whether like Churchill, you've got a book of quotations, just record it, highlight it, underline it, because it, it really can beef up some of your arguments when you're having, you know, if I say, for instance, this is my view on taxation, uh, because my buddy Joe Schmo said so. Or if you say, this is my view on taxation, because St. Augustine said so. That's uh, obviously going to be more persuasive. So just as a, as a tactic, I think it can be uh, very helpful and well worth your time. All right, that's it. That's our show. See you Monday. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boren. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. John Bickley here, Daily Wire editor-in-chief. Wake up every morning with our new show, Morning Wire. On today's episode, a battle over mask mandates erupts in Texas, Oregon schools make big changes over alleged racism, and a Hollywood Me Too group is caught up in a Me Too scandal. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire. Morning Wire.